You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil will prevail against us or disease infect us. God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. 
His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under His covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear it. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go. Good morning, everybody. I want to welcome you to Victory Christian Fellowship this Sunday morning, this glorious Sunday morning. Amen. Our God is glorious. He's got the greatest story that was ever told. Hallelujah. Father, we are so grateful that we can come here and celebrate your goodness and your glory and experience the power of your story, Lord. We just bless you, Lord. It's a fun day in your presence. We welcome you here. We expect great things to be done by you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Are we ready to worship this morning? Let's stand together.
worship you in this place, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, I want you to think about something that he's done for you this week. This is where we worship him. We surrender to him in this place today. Oh, Lord, we just thank you for what you've done for us this week, Lord. We thank you that you've given us your love. That we could literally live off of your love. Your love is the thing that we can live on. Your love is the thing that is just a sure foundation for us. And we just worship you in this place. Come on. Just tell them how you feel about it. In this atmosphere, Lord, we create an atmosphere of gratefulness and thanksgiving in this atmosphere. Wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, whatever is happening in the moment around you, let's create an atmosphere.
each and every person. You're free to touch and to lift and to fill and to bless and to help and to guide and to heal and to deliver and to save. Hallelujah. Lord, there is none like you. We magnify you, Lord Jesus, in this place. We lift you up in this place. We bless your name in this place. We give you high praise in this place, right now, in this moment. Lord, it is truly our joy and our honor and our privilege to be gathered together today, right here, right now, in this moment. And Lord, we're so grateful for your gracious presence. And we thank you, Lord, that you speak to us. Hello, my sons and daughters. How I long for you. I long for our times together. I long for our interactions in my secret place. Oh, the invitation is yours. Come and dine. I'm calling, says the master. Come and dine with me. I will come into you as you come into me. I'm drawing you. I'm drawing you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The most valuable thing that you could ever have on this earth is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, you may have your seats. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. Aren't they amazing? Hallelujah. Glory to God. They do a fantastic, phenomenal job. We're grateful for our musicians and our singers. Hallelujah. And we are glad to see each and every one of you here this morning. And if you're watching online, we say welcome, hello to you. Thank God that we can speak the word Amen. and get the same results that Jesus got. Yes. Amen. Thank you, Lord. If you're a partner with the word, say amen. Amen. So we're going to make our confession together. Yes. That's based on the word of God. Let's make our confession. By, By faith, faith, I, I choose, choose to walk and live in love. God is love and we live for him and walk with him. We welcome and receive God's perfect love. We and we are fearless. fearless. Love is having God's nature within us. Love is God's adhesive power that binds us together. Love is the fruit of the recreated human spirit planted in our heart by God. Love is born of the Spirit of God. Love makes my faith work. Love is God in action. God so loved that he gave. 
God, God so, so loved that he acted. Jesus so loved that he came to earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and rose from the dead. He chose to love me. He showed his love to me. And he gave his love to me. Love transforms our lives, our workplaces, and our homes. It makes life better. Our love abounds more and more and displays itself in greater depths, in real knowledge, and in practical insight. We have unfailing and fervent love for one another. We overlook unkindness, and we unselfishly seek the best for others. Through God's love, we are more thoughtful, gentle, and tender. Our love never grows old and never wears out. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. God bless you. It's good to see each one here. Today, there are yard signs available with scripture created by Miss Wanda. So if you're interested in a yard sign with scriptures that Wanda creates, see her afterwards. This Tuesday at 1 p.m., we're excited to host an informational meeting for Christians in Action, which is a ministry of Joyelle. You are familiar that we minister to the elementary students with Bible Adventure. They also have a ministry to middle school students. So we are launching the first ministry from Joyelle into Lebanon County. And we're going to the Palmyra Middle School, or they're coming to us. Those details are being worked out, but we have a leadership team already in place. And we're already working with Joyelle to, to get all those details taken care of. So if you're interested in praying for this ministry, and if you're interested in finding out more information for yourself, for your family, neighbors, coworkers, come out to VCF this Tuesday at 1 p.m. And then Tuesday night is Air Force at 6. And we have one week till we leave for camp meeting. We are very excited. Thank you all. You, even though you might not physically be going with us, you sent us. So you are there with us in spirit, and we will be bringing back what we receive there to you when we come back. So you can also watch the services at Rama Bible Church or Kenneth Hagen Ministries online. So that's one way you can participate. I know last year I saw Josiah up front worshiping. So you might see us running around and praising God. Yeah. Okay. So and then Gabe, of course, he's involved in the cameras and in the he might be doing drums. He might be. He's playing drums. He might be on the guitar. He might be on the keyboards. You know, you never know where you might see Gabe. <laughs> okay. And um, 
Okay, so that's Tuesday. And then Wednesday night refreshing at 6.30 this week. Now the following week, we do not have Wednesday night refreshing. The last Wednesday, the 27th. So mark your calendars. And the last Saturday uh, um, in July, I don't see the date here, but the last Saturday in July, there's no Barnabas. So we'll see you in August for Barnabas. Okay, I think I'm following. I got three pages here. This is so exciting. Pastor Doug is going. You're going to India. Okay, this says something else, but he's going to India. See, it was a test to see if I'm paying attention. (laughs) Yeah, Pastor Doug is going to India. He has been in Kenya. And we'll be going to Kenya sometime in the future. But in August of 2022, <laughs> he is going to India to teach at a Bible, a Rama Bible school. So you want to be able to participate in sending him there. And that's through the commission club. So you can mark your giving commission club. And if you have change, you can drop it in that container back there. That goes to commission club too. So thank you for supporting him as he ministers in India. And then the VCF Kitchen Project, two ovens, a vent, and a fridge. We're progressing towards those goals. And the stage lights, wow, that will make a difference. And think of your life. God says we are an advertisement for him of Jesus. So Jesus is the light. We have God's light shining on us to help bring attention and to emphasize the goodness and the love of God. So when you're giving to Stage Lights Project, think of that. Say, Lord, more light on on your goodness in my life, more light on my witness and testimony of the love of Jesus as I testify of the goodness of God and the blood of Jesus. I never thought of stage lights on us, so that's pretty cool. Thank you, Jesus. And then the Shopify store. There's a QR code you can scan. They're, they're hanging up at the um, offering podiums. And you can also find it if you go onto our website, correct? So for, you, for us, you might want to explore, see what's on there. It's what we have here in, in the physical building. But let people know that aren't able to come here that they can shop in your very own bookstore online. And that would be a blessing to, to uh, the ministries of VCF. So God bless you. Amen. Well, I would like uh, for uh, Kelsey to come up. And actually, I'm going to ask uh, also Pastors Nelson and Nadine to come up, and uh, Dr. Fiona and Josiah come on up. Josh, if you want to come up too, you can. Um, and Miss Dottie, you want to come up? Um, this is Kelsey's last Sunday here. Uh, we are sewing her to Tulsa. 
And uh, she's going Another to be a- attending uh, Raymond Bible Training College uh, in August. And so uh, what we like to do is whenever um, someone is leaving to go and do what God wants them to do, we like to bless them and send them. Amen. So I want you, everybody just to stand up and uh, stretch forth your hands towards Kelsey. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful and thankful for the blessing of the Lord to be upon Kelsey, your prosperity, your provision, and your protection, and your guidance, and your direction. Lord, I thank you that you lead God and direct her in all that you have for her. Her destiny becomes clear. Father, your assignment becomes known, and she's filled with the knowledge of your will, with all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that she may walk worthy of you, fully pleasing you in all things. Lord, and I thank you that it'll be a great and blessed time for her as your hand rests upon her. Lord, give her safe travels and your angels encamp around her in the name of Jesus. We give you thanks and praise for a fresh, strong anointing to be upon her and to go with her, Father, wherever she goes. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God. And Sean is uh, visiting with us. He'll be heading back on uh, Wednesday as well. Hallelujah. And uh, glory to God. God is good. Amen. How often is he good? You know, God never checks out of being good. He is good all the time. And before we dismiss the kids, I want you to look at the book of uh, Philippians chapter 4 for just a second. And um, we're going to read something here. Hallelujah. Starting with verse 10, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 10. I'm reading from the King James and then I'll read it from the Amplified. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. How should we rejoice in the Lord? Oh, really? Great, I must say greatly, like you mean it. Greatly. greatly. He said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. You know, Paul was a missionary. He went to places where the place didn't hear the gospel, he would preach the gospel, he would start churches, and he would go to another place. Okay? And uh, he's rejoicing greatly that their care or their concern for him is flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Everybody say, I have an opportunity. opportunity. Alright? Not that I speak in respect of want... For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Now, he's not talking about Iowa, Illinois, or Pennsylvania. He's talking about state of mankind, right? He says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. He knew poverty and prosperity. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. How can you enjoy whether you're poor or whether you prosper? Here is the key right here. Verse 13. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, when Christ is with me, he is for me and wherever I am, whatever state I'm in, I'm good. Amen? I'm good. Why? I got Jesus with me. I got the anointing with me. I got the blessing with me. Hallelujah. Verse 14. Notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction or you shared in my troubles. Now you, verse 15. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning, notice these next two phrases, this next phrase, giving and receiving, but you only. He had one church, the Philippian church, who when he left Macedonia, they sent him support. Amen? For even in Thessalonica, you sent, you sent once and again unto my necessity. Everybody say once and again. Sounds like more than once, right? All right. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire that fruit may abound to your account. How many want some fruit that abounds to your account? You know, each one of us have an account in heaven. Amen. And that account is uh, whenever we do things in faith and in partnership with God, that account gets filled up. Amen. And when you need, you can make a withdrawal. Hallelujah. Okay? And uh, verse 18, but I have all and abound. Say, I have all and I abound. Say, I'm full. Then he said, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you as an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable. How did God feel about it? Well-pleasing. You know, God is well-pleased when we, when we give. Amen? And uh, every time that we get together, we have an opportunity to give and invest in God, to partner with God. And uh, he makes your gift abound. Amen? So you can give any time during the service. If you're watching online, go to our website and uh, find out how to give that way. And that, you, you'll find a way to do that. Father, I speak the blessing over the givers and their gifts of VCF. I thank you, Lord, that they are given into you, into your hands, out of love. And I thank you, Lord, that you are honored and glorified, and you take their gift, and you multiply it back unto them, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. I call them blessed and abounding in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, we got some awesome kids in this place. Kids are precious to God, amen? So kids, we want you to go to your class, have a great time, be blessed. Have a good time in the Lord, amen. Hallelujah. Well... I've been given a wonderful assignment this morning. You couldn't have picked any better songs to sing. Our God is faithful. Our God is strong. And what's that next phrase? Our God is what? With us. I would say, God is faithful to me. 
God is strong to me. God is with me. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, um, I was uh, doing a study this past week on the subject of riches. And um, I came across something, and the title of this message is Prosper in Tough Times. Prosper in Tough Times. It doesn't matter what time it is. If you're a believer in Christ Jesus, you can prosper. In other words, the times or the circumstances or uh, the environment does not determine whether or not you prosper. But there's one person that determines whether or not that is God himself. Amen? If God is with you, you can be anywhere in any circumstance and come out ahead. Hallelujah. God wants you ahead. He wants you to prosper. Even in tough times. Even in dire straits. Even in uh, negative economic circumstances. Our circumstances don't determine our prosperity. God does. Amen? And we're going to look at a person that this happened to. And also, too, today, we are going to eradicate the spirit of poverty. If there's any poverty in our minds, it's going to go today. If there's any poverty in our bodies, it's going to go today. If there's any poverty in our finances, it's going to go today. If there's any poverty in our material goods, it's going to go today. Amen? Everybody say with me. Say, poverty, go in Jesus' name. Prosperity, come in Jesus' name. Amen. What is poverty? It's a deficiency. It's lack. It's not enough. And maybe we've been there. I may have participated in poverty thoughts in the past, but no more. Today is the day we're saying goodbye once and for all in our lives. Amen. In this church, there's going to be overflow. Amen. There's going to be overflow. We got to get excited about it. Hallelujah. And I kept asking the Lord, are you sure you want me to do this? He kept saying yes. So as much as you get blessed, I'm going to be getting blessed as well. So, let me just define poverty. It is the state of being poor, lack of means, not having the comforts, it's deficiency in amount, it's scantiness. It's unproductiveness and it's infertility. You know, if God, if, if the enemy will try to stop your production, he will try to hinder you 
from making any move forward. But he's not going to win. He already lost. Okay? So here are just some scriptures about poverty. Poverty causes you to be the tail, not the head. God wants you to be the head. Poverty wants you to be the tail. I don't want to be a tail. Amen? That's Deuteronomy 28, 44. Poverty comes like an approaching prowler. Poverty can sneak up on people. Proverbs 10, 15 says, the ruin of the poor is their poverty. It can ruin you. Proverbs eleven twenty four. Poverty withhold poverty comes from withholding what is justly due, but it results when we withhold it results in want and poverty. Poverty withholds, prosperity gives. Proverbs thirteen eighteen. Poverty and shame will come to him who refuses instruction and discipline. That's spiritual poverty. When God gives you an instruction and we refuse it, we're going to end up poor. Right? Proverbs 14, 23. In all labor there is profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. (laughs) If you're not doing God's word, we will be impoverished. We can't just talk about it. We got to do it. Amen. Proverbs 21, 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance and advantage. But everyone who acts in haste comes to poverty. If you don't have a plan, poverty will result. Plan for your life, a plan for your future, a plan for your family, a plan for your marriage. Amen. We got to have a plan. Hallelujah. Proverbs uh, 22:16 He who oppresses or exploits the poor to get more for himself or give to the rich will come to poverty. Selfishness will produce poverty, okay? Proverbs 23:21 The heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty. Feeding the flesh will impoverish you. Okay? Proverbs 28:19 He who cultivates his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless people or frivolous pursuits will have plenty of poverty. If you're following foolish people or frivolous pursuits, amen, if you're following someone that's not following God, it's not going to end well. Okay? 2 Corinthians 8:2 For during an ordeal of severe distress, their abundant joy and their deep poverty overflowed in wealth with their lavish generosity. How many know they they overcame some circumstances and in their bad circumstances they they gave? Amen? All right. Enough with the poverty talk. I want you to turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 1, and I believe that God gave me a revelation 
of how this takes place. Okay? And uh, I'm going to read this. I'll read it from the King James, and then I'll read it from the Amplified, because the Amplified really brings out some really good things. Okay? Let's read verses 6 to 14. Verses 6 to 14. Exodus chapter 1, verses 6 to 14. And Joseph died, and all his brethren, and all that generation. What was special about that generation? That generation brought prosperity to Egypt. That generation increased the wealth of Egypt more than anybody ever did. Because it was set, they went through seven years of plenty and seven years of famine, and God had a man that was put inside that situation so that he could save his people. And in the seven years of plenty, he put away, and in the seven years of famine, everybody had to come to Egypt to buy grain. That was a divine insight that Joseph had. Now, now he's dead. His brothers are dead. And that, and all that generation. Verse 7. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased. How, how did they increase? Everybody say abundantly. Say, I'm excited about abundance. Say, God is a God of abundance. Nowhere in the Bible does it ever describe, nor will it ever describe God as a God of lack. God is, God only knows how to respond to you one way, abundantly. Plenty. More than enough. Increase. Multiplication. That's all God knows. He's not wired for lack or poverty. That's not his thing. Nor should it be our thing. So the, the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied. Fruitful, increased abundantly, and multiplied. Three levels. And they waxed exceeding mighty. They became mighty. And the land was filled with them. Oh, everywhere in Egypt there was an Israelite. Israelite here. Israelite there. Israelite over there. Israelite back here. The land was full. Of Israelites. They started off with 70. And they became a multitude. Hallelujah. And that was only. In about 80 years. Joseph lived to be 110. He got to Egypt when he was 17. And in that span of time. They went from 70 to millions. Hallelujah. How did they do it? How did Israel increase in Egypt? They had God with them. They had the blessing with them. They had the empowerment on them. You could, oh my goodness. This is a revelation for me that I'm sharing with you. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. He obviously never went to history class. How could a king come into a position of authority and not know what Joseph did when it was written in every history book in Egypt? Because Joseph rose up 
And I don't want to get ahead of myself. How could you not know? That would be like an American saying, who is Abraham Lincoln? Or who is George Washington? I don't know him. Go back to history class. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely. Other translations say shrewdly with them, lest they multiply and it come to pass. See, he was an evil man and he, he was coming up with a design to prevent multiplication, to prevent prosperity, to instill poverty into the people. And it come to pass that when they are falls, when there falls out a war, when war breaks out, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us and so get them up out of the land. Therefore, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities of Ramses and Python. Here, Israel was made to build storehouses for Pharaoh. Wealth holding places. They were the slave labor that built the storage places of Pharaoh. How would you like to be building a bank for someone that's put heavy taskmasters and heavy burdens over you? You're building their wealth, not your wealth. Now here is the blessing. Verse 12. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. Ha, ha, ha. Glory to God. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. So now the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor. Or harshness. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and brick and in all manner of service in the field. And their service wherein they had made them serve was with rigor. All right, now let me read this from the Amplified. Okay? Then we're going to talk about this a little bit. This is from the Amplified, Exodus 1.6. Then Joseph died and all his brothers, all that generation. But the Israelites were... Pro, pro, prolific and increased greatly. Everybody say increased greatly. They multiplied and became extremely strong. Notice they became. Everybody say became. They started off with 70 but became. How did they become? Because God was with them. Okay? God blessed their founder, Jacob. Who blessed his father Isaac, who blessed his father Abraham. The blessing was what made the difference. The blessing was what set them apart. The blessing was what worked on them. Wherever you put them, the blessing was on them. And it was the blessing that worked. It was the blessing that brought it to pass. It was the blessing that multiplied them. It was the blessing that increased them. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph, nor the history of his accomplishments. How did he pass history class? He said to the people, behold, the people of the sons of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. They greatly outnumber us. You know, the enemy is nervous about your growth. 
When you start to grow, he gets really nervous. Because he's full of pride. He doesn't want you to be bigger than he is. But he's so small. Amen? He's only big in his own mind. But he's really, I mean, Isaiah said, when they're going to reveal the devil, he said, this is the one who, who deceived the nation? This is the one? Are you kidding me? So he said to the people, verse 9, Behold, the people of the sons of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. They greatly outnumber us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them so that they will not multiply. In the event of war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Verse 11, so they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with hard labor. All right. So the blessing of one generation needs to be passed to another generation. We got to be blessed so that we can pass it on to our kids. Amen. Say, I'm, I got to be blessed so I can pass it on to my kids. Amen. God meant the blessing to be passed on. Okay? The enemy wants to stifle your increase, stop your progress, and diminish your ability to multiply. Okay? How does he do that? He does that through schemes. But aren't you glad that the Bible says we are not ignorant of his devices, we are not ignorant of his schemes, lest he take an advantage over us? Hallelujah. God will always give you an advantage over the enemy. Not the other way around. The enemy attacks increased multiplication and abundance with toil, human effort, and trust in the ability, knowledge, and skill of man, not God. Let me say that again. The enemy attacks increased multiplication and abundance. How does he do it? With toil, with human effort. Trust in the ability, knowledge, and skill of man and not God. Oh, God, I'm not qualified for God to help me. I'll just do it on my own. No, you won't. Everybody say, I need God. You need God. You can't do it on your own. If you try to do it on your own, you are giving heed to the enemy's plan. As he leads you into toil, burden, heavy burden, hardship, harshness. We operate in a different kingdom. We have been brought in, we have been translated into the kingdom of light. Not darkness. We, we came out of darkness. Amen? God's shedding some light on us today. Now, the king could have made Israel an ally. They were living there. Why not make him an ally? But he chose out of fear to make him an enemy. See, when you operate out of fear, you make bad decisions and poor choices. The king was afraid. He could have made Israel an ally. They could have, Israel could have been, I mean, Egypt could have been super strong with Israel as its ally. They lived there for hundreds, you know, Hundred or so years. But no. He, didn't, he chose to not make him an ally. But to make him an enemy out of fear. Alright. So taskmasters were assigned to oppress Israel with hard labor. Listen to this. The New Living says... 
they appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. All right? The English Standard Version says, Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. The enemy wants to weigh you down. You know what happens when the cares of life come into your life? It chokes the word of God. Cares of life, lust for other things, and riches, they come in and they choke the word of God and make it unproductive in your life. Okay? That's what the enemy would love to do. Alright? The Aramaic Bible in plain English says they placed evil rulers over them that would oppress them in their oppression. And they were building cities, places of storage for Pharaoh. The Breton Septuagint, that is a translate, a Greek translation of the Old Testament into English. Boy, that's a mouthful. He set over them taskmasters who should afflict them in their works. Okay? The complete English version, or the contemporary English version says, The Egyptians have put slave bosses in charge of the people of Israel and tried to wear them down with hard work. How many has ever been wore down from hard work? Sometimes the enemy would just love to get us caught up in hard work. Doing this, doing that, doing this, doing that, doing this. And then when God wants you something, oh, God, I'm too tired. You've been busy doing all these little works, right? And that's the enemy would want to wear you out. Hallelujah. Okay? The English, the Good News translation says, the Egyptian put slave drivers over them to crush their spirits. To crush their spirits. Well, I better not get married because I'm just a slave and I'm not going anywhere. I better not have a family because how can I support my family because I'm a slave? See, you see how he does it? The English or the International Standard Version says the Egyptians placed supervisors over them, oppressing them with heavy burdens. Okay? So the enemy, he uses shrewdness. And oppression, hard, harsh, and severe labor, serving rigorously, are tools of the enemy to stop multiplication and increase. Why? All that's done in human strength and human effort. But how many know we got an advantage? See, I have an advantage. Okay? And, and uh, Exodus 3.7, go there for just a second. Look at Exodus 3, 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Say, God knows what I'm dealing with. God knows what I'm facing. But he's going to get you out. He's going to bring you out from under that burden, under that harshness, under that hardness. It's going to be without toil. Toil-free victory. How many want some toil-free victory? You don't have to work for your healing. Just receive it. Amen? Do we have to work for our salvation? We didn't have to perform tricks to get saved. All we had to do was believe Jesus Christ is Lord and confess him as Lord, and boom, we were saved. 
Simple, easy, to the point. Why? Salvation is a gift. So is the blessing. The blessing is a gift just as much as salvation is a gift. Say, I'm blessed. We got to really say it like we mean it. We got to, I want you to see yourself blessed by God. Say, I am blessed. Hallelujah. That is an empowerment by God. That was the first words that man heard after he was created. The Lord blessed him. And he said, take dominion, subdue, uh, replenish the earth, multiply, be fruitful. Amen. That's the blessing. Well, I can't bless. All these things are going on. How can I be blessed? Because God can bless you in any kind of circumstance. We're going to see it. Okay? The Israelites were condemned to work from morning to night under the rod of a taskmaster, which means if you weren't doing the job right, you get a rod to the back or a rod to the back of your legs. Why? The, the only way the enemy can control you is keep you in fear. But you don't have a spirit of fear. If you understand that you don't have a spirit of fear, but you have a spirit of love, power, and sound mind, fear can't control you. Amen? Okay? So if they rested for a moment, whack! And, and the taskmaster freely applied wax were free <laughs> you know the Israelites didn't want to say I'm getting a whack job <laughs> okay the heat of the sun was great to begin with the burdens which the laborers had to carry were heavy the toil was incessant death often resulted from the excessive work Benson said that uh, when he said he made them work with rigor, it was a tyrannous action. They, they acted as tyranny, as overlord. You know, the, the Israelites could not decide what job they wanted to do. They were assigned, they were told what to do by the government. You're going to work in bricks, mortar, or the field. That was their choices. Bricks, mortar, or the field. Okay? The, the devil wanted to create an atmosphere where the people wouldn't want to prosper. They'd give up that idea. They'd give up that hope. Yeah. Yeah. See, the devil will try to wear you down. Day in, day out. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't rest. His goal is to steal, kill, and destroy, right? Right? But what is God's goal? I have come, yeah, the thief comes, but, but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, why? That you might have life and have it how? Abundantly. God wants you to have abundant life, not a slave life. We need to have abundance. Each and every one of us. This is not for reserved few. This is not for an elite group. This is for every believer in Jesus Christ. He wants you to have an abundance. He wants you to have more than enough. He wants you to buy cash for houses, cash for cars, buy someone else's car for them. Everybody say abundance. The enemy has worked in the church to root out that word. 
He has instilled a poverty mentality. He's got groups of religious people that take a vow of poverty. They take a vow of poverty. Hmm. Go to Acts chapter 7. And look at verse 17. This is Stephen who is prophesying about what happened in Egypt. Okay? Acts 7, 17. But when the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt, till another king arose which knew not Joseph, The same dealt subtly with our kindred, with our fathers, and evil entreated our fathers so that they cast out their young children to the end they might not live. In which time Moses was born. Hallelujah. God brought a deliverer in the midst of slavery. And he was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house for three months. Okay? Did you know that God, I mean, Israel was having babies, right? So Moses, I mean, Pharaoh came up with this plan that we're going to kill all the male children, abortion, right? We're going to, because the males have the seed that brings the multiplication, okay? And uh, they were going to do away with all the male children. So they had midwives, right? But the midwives, they feared God. They were given an order by the king to kill the baby boys, but the midwives refused. Praise God for the midwives. Amen? And they, they would not do what, they, what the Pharaoh said to do for the babies. And you know what God did for them? He gave them houses, not just houses, not just buildings, but families. And homes. God, God, oh, we better read it. We better read it. Go, go, to, go back to Exodus 1. You got to see this. All right? You got to see this. Exodus 1, verse 15. Hallelujah. Well, no, uh, look at verse 20. Exodus 1, verse 20. Therefore, who dealt well with the midwives? God. Everybody say God. God. When you stand up for God, God will stand up with you. He will back you. He will defend you. He will promote you. He will prosper you. When you do what is right in your life for God, God will back you up. See, now, if you're not going to cooperate with God, you will be impoverished. I don't care if uh, someone in the world is a multi-billionaire. If they don't know God, they're poor. Because in the end, you can't buy your way out of hell. The only way you can get out of hell is accept Jesus Christ, and you gotta really you gotta live for Him. Amen. Okay. So, God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed mighty. Verse twenty-one. It came to pass because the midwives feared God that he made them houses not just the house but the family to go with it the finances to take care of it come on somebody 
And Pharaoh charged all his people saying, every son that is born shall you cast into the river and every daughter you shall save alive. Okay. How many's ever heard of Planned Parenthood? Okay. It was started by a woman named Margaret Sanger. Listen to this. This was a quote from her. Okay. Minorities crammed into impoverished areas in inner cities should not be having so many babies. Impoverished people. She had a plan to keep them poor. To keep them destitute. Okay? And of course, these minorities, including most of America's immigrants, are inferior to the human race. This is her talking. And are the physically and mentally handicapped. Okay? This is the devil talking, let me tell you. We should require mandatory, mandatory sterilizations of those less desirable and promote easy access to abortion. Just like Pharaoh. This is in modern time. Early 1900s, 1930s, 1940s. And uh, since uh, he says we must provide uh, birth control and abortions to teenagers too, it's all for the greater good and for a more intelligent, liberated, healthier population. The Encyclopedia Britannica said that clinics operated by Planned Parenthood provide a range of reproductive health care services. Look at how they word that. It's deceptive. It's a lie. Including abortion, sex education, prenatal care, infertility services, and treatment for uh, STDs. As well as vaccinations and cancer screenings for millions of mostly low-income and rural patients. Notice, low-income, rural. This is a plan by the enemy to keep people poor. Okay? Planned Parenthood traces its beginning to the birth control movement led by Margaret Sanger and her colleagues who opened the nation's first birth, first birth control clinic in 1916. In a poverty-stricken neighborhood of Brooklyn, New York, they appeal and promote poverty. Okay? Um, created to free women from the chronic condition of pregnancy. Oh, my goodness. See, people didn't, you you don't ever hear this in in the media. This is from the Encyclopedia Britannica. You can look it up yourself. Okay? And the dangers of self-induced abortion. The clinic was shut down uh, by police only after 10 days. Sanger and the others were imprisoned for violating the Anti-Obscenity Comstock Act of 1873. Sanger's continuing efforts led to the foundation of the American Birth Control League in 1921 and the Birth Control Federation of America in 1939, which became Planned Parenthood in 1942. 1942. Same plan that Pharaoh had to keep people down impoverished, behind, subdued. Amen? Don't worry, I'm going to get you out. Amen? We're not going to be stuck here. 
Okay? So, the king had a plan. He had a scheme. He had an idea that he was executing to keep a group of people down, to keep them subdued, to not, to prevent them from multiplying, to prevent their increase. Alright? Psalm 37 verse 7 says, be still before the Lord, wait patiently for him and entrust yourself to him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Okay? What Pharaoh was trying to do was wicked. It was wicked. It's against God. It's an abomination. But yet he made it the law of the land. To keep people down. All right? So he, he wanted them to serve with rigor. He wanted their lives to become bitter, to break their spirits, to rob them of anything that was generous. He was trying to squash any generosity that someone might have in slavery. He wanted to ruin their health. Working from morning to evening, to the bone, not getting many breaks, under the the stress of fear. Okay? He wanted to shorten their days, diminish their numbers, discourage them from marrying. This is the plan that I'm exposing today so we can say bye-bye to poverty. This was a plan by the enemy, a plan by darkness, a plan by evil. This is an evil plan. And he wanted them to incorporate with the Egyptians. The oppression they were under brought many of them to join the Egyptians because Joshua said they worshipped some of the gods of Egypt. So he got their, he got their eyes off of God. He got their eyes on self. And for 400 years, I must say 400 years, when the devil enacts a plan, it doesn't, it doesn't get carried out tomorrow. God, the, the devil has seeped this attitude of poverty into the church, into the world system. He wants to keep people down. He wants to keep people impoverished. Amen. That's his goal, but it's not going to work. That spirit is broken here today in the name of Jesus. We are taking authority over it. We're overcoming it. Amen. We're coming. We're not going to have any poverty in our minds, no poverty in our bodies, no poverty in our finances, no poverty in our material goods. Amen. We are going over the top. Now, let me give you some good news. We have a heritage, a family lineage, a divine family line of wealthy people in the kingdom of God, starting with Abraham. Abraham was blessed. And the Bible says in Genesis 13, 2, Abram, now Abram was extremely rich. Everybody say extremely rich. Listen, some extremes are good. Some extremes are good. When you're extremely in love with God, that's good. He was extremely rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. He was very rich. Everybody say very rich. Say, Abraham's my father. I can be rich like him. How was Abraham rich? Was he so skillful? Was he so intelligent? 
No, he had a covenant with God. It was God who made him rich. He said, I'm going to raise my hand before God so that I'm, I'm going to declare in Genesis 14. He said, I'm going to declare that no man made me rich. My, my covenant was with God. Everybody raise up your right hand. Say, I have a covenant with God. Say, I have a promise from God of abundance, of plenty, of more than enough. No lack, no insufficiency. Hallelujah to Jesus. God is the source. Then we go on to Isaac. Isaac inherited everything that Abraham had. Abraham accumulated some wealth and he gave it to his heir, Isaac. Oh, we are heirs according to Abraham. Hallelujah. If you be Christ, how many are Christ? How many belong to Christ? How many Jesus is your Lord? Amen. You are Christ. Then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Go to Genesis 26 verse 12. Genesis 26, verse 12. Then Isaac planted in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold or a hundred times. And the Lord blessed and favored him. Say, the Lord did it. Yeah, he planted it, but the Lord made it multiply. He, he put the work to put the seed in the ground, but God made it multiply. Supernatural multiplication. Okay, verse 13 And the man Isaac became great. He gained more and more until he became what? Very prosperous. Say very prosperous. Very wealthy. And extremely distinguished. He owned flocks, herds, and a great household. All the ladies ought to be shouting. Really? If you had a house full of servants, would you not be excited? Come on, ladies. Come on, man. Amen. Amen. You could you could be freed up to do what you need to do. Okay. All right. Let's go to Jacob. Jacob. Verse thirty. Or Jacob. Genesis chapter thirty, verse twenty-seven. Now, mind you, Jacob's blessing he got from his father Isaac. Okay. But Jacob made a vow in Genesis 28 to tithe to God. He said, if you, if you be with me and you give me food to eat, clothes to wear, and bring me back home safe, I will give you a tithe of all. All right? Jacob made a vow to tithe in Genesis 28 before he started working for Laban and that God was good on that vow. God made that vow come to pass and we're going to see it. All right, Genesis 30 verse 27. This was Laban talking, Jacob's employer. I have learned that the Lord has blessed me because of you. I'm going to say because of you. See, there was something on Jacob that wasn't on anybody else, any other Laban's employees. It was the blessing. Okay? All right? Look at verse 29. Genesis 30, verse 29. Jacob answered him, you know how I have served you and how your possessions, your cattle, your sheep and your goats have fared with me. For you had little before I came and it has what? 
increased and multiplied abundantly and the Lord has favored you with blessings. Why? Because of the blessing. See, the blessing produces blessings. Okay? Wherever I turn, but now, when shall I provide for my own household? Okay? And uh, we know that God gave Jacob a dream. And he dreamt about spotted and speckled sheep. And he came to an agreement with Laban. He said, okay, Laban said, name your wages. He said, I'll take the speckled and spotted sheep. That way, if you find an all black sheep or an all white sheep in my possession, you know that I've stolen it. So what did Laban do? When he goes, okay, I agree. He had all of his speckled and spotted rams taken by his sons three days away. How are you going to have speckled and spotted sheep when all the speckled and spotted rams are gone? You, I know a God. I know a God. Even when your wages aren't favorable, even when you're in a situation where things aren't going your way, I know a God. And, and he blessed me. And his blessing is going to come through. Say, God... It's going to come through for me. So for 20 years, Jacob served Laban. He served him, took care of his sheep, did a good job. He suffered any loss that Laban might have suffered. He didn't bring any animal that was, you know, he replaced any animal that got lost or shredded or eaten by another animal. Amen. And the time came. He had a dream of speckled and spotted sheep. So I'm sure that the Lord talked to him and said, peel these rods, right? He had two rods. He made them look like a barber's pole. You know, the red, blue, red, blue, red, red, right, blue, red, red, right? And when the strong sheep came, he put those rods out and they made it. And they had speckled and spotted sheep. But when the weak sheep came, uh-uh, he, he kept those sticks on behind, right? And we know because Jacob told his, his uh, wives that God gave him a dream to do that. Amen. How many know when God's with you, he'll give you an idea. He'll give you a thought that's going to prosper you. And in in doing and putting stripped rods in front of sheep, who is going to prosper with sticks that you peel the bark off and you place them in front of sheep? What's your key to your success? Strip sticks. What? Can you imagine writing a success book, the strip sticks, the strip stick strategy? Right? That would be Stick Sigma. Right? <laughs> stick Sigma. It, 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 if you know what Six Sigma is, it's Stick Sigma. How many know that when God gives you an idea, it's not going to make sense in the natural? Okay? But I don't want to spend all this time on Jacob. Jake, Laban's son said, you've taken all of our wealth. You're more wealthier. Jacob became wealthier than his employer. He became more wealthy than the person who owned the company. How did he do it? He had a God. And the God was with him. Wherever he went. He made a vow to God. He tied to God. And even though things didn't go, it didn't seem like they were going his way. God brought it out in the end. How many know you got to stick with God? Even when it doesn't look like he's working, he's working. You may not see it, but he's working. You may not feel it, but he's working. Glory to God. Oh, my goodness. I want to talk to you, I want to focus the rest of my time on Joseph. He was the one who brought the wealth to Egypt. Now, Egypt was wealthy because they were a nation, but the wealth that he brought to them exceeded what they ever had. Okay? 
What do we know? Joseph had 11 brothers, right? And they just loved him and adored him. Did it? No, they didn't. They hated him. Why? He was a dreamer. He had this dream and he shared this dream. And they didn't like the fact that they were going to bow to him. Okay? So, when Joseph was 17, his brothers rebelled against him. They were going to kill him, but what did they do instead? They threw him in a pit. How many know when you get thrown in a pit, you don't have any money? Right? Some people think their life's in the pits. No, Joseph was really in the pit. Okay? Not only did he have any money, he was stripped of his most valuable possession, which was the coat that his father gave him. So there he was in a well, a dry well. He was stripped. He was impoverished, and he was sent as a slave. Kind of like Pharaoh did to the Israelites. So he arrived in Egypt with not even a dollar bill in his pocket, not even a dime in his pocket. He had nothing. Everybody say he had nothing. Oh, no, he had something. He had God. God was with him. Go to Genesis 39. Oh, hallelujah. Genesis 39 and verse 2. When you have God with you, you have everything you need. Everything you want. When you have God with you, he'll turn the most negative, oppressive situation around. Glory to God. Genesis 39 verse 2. He arrives in Egypt from the Ishmaelites. He was sold to the non-covenant members of Abraham's family. Think about that. The Ishmaelites were the sons of Ishmael, who was the son out of covenant. He did not have a covenant with God because he was a son of the flesh. Okay? Genesis 39 verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. He may have not had money in his pocket, but he had someone to make money. How many know when you got the Lord, you'll be okay? Okay? The Lord was with Joseph and he became what? He had nothing. How did he, what was the secret of his success? God. God was with him. The presence of God. Amen? He became a successful and prosperous man. He was in the house of his master. He was a piece of property that succeeded. My goodness, God, the blessing of God was upon him. And that the Lord caused all that he did to prosper. The Lord. Everybody say the Lord. All Joseph had to offer was his work skill, his administrative ability, his ability to manage things. And he began to manage things. He did not think of himself as a slave. That's number one. Don't ever think of yourself as a slave. Don't ever call your boss a slave master. Why? You got a God. God's greater than your boss. God's greater than the company you work for. Amen? God can prosper you even in tough times. Joseph didn't think like himself. He didn't think of himself as a slave. Why? Because of the way he worked. He did his very best. And the Lord caused all that he did to prosper 
Verse 4, Joseph pleased Potiphar and found favor in his sight. He served him as his personal servant. He made Joseph overseer of his house. Okay? And uh, he put him over all that he owned in Joseph's charge. And it happened from time to time that he made Joseph overseer of his house. It happened from that time. Everybody say, from that time. What was the difference? Joseph was the only one anointed with the blessing in Potiphar's house. Potiphar was rich, but Joseph made him richer. Okay? Uh, So it happened from that time that Joseph was made overseer over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house. Why? Why did the Lord bless the Egyptian's house? Because of Joseph. Why? Because he had the blessing. Okay? The the Lord's blessing was on everything that Potiphar owned, his house and the field. Baby calves were being born. Baby sheep were being, lambs were being born. Amen. Baby goats were being born. Hallelujah. His crops were, were bumper crops. Amen. Everything was going well because he put a blessed man in the position of authority. Who went there with nothing. Okay? And the, the Lord blessed everything that he owned. Hallelujah. Okay? So, verse thir- go to uh, verse 20. We know the story. Something happened. He was tempted by Potiphar's wife. He refused. He ran. Left his coat, right? She falsely accused him, right? So now, he's put in prison. What happens when you're in prison? Your salary stops. The salary that he was making for running Potiphar's home stopped. Now he was back to zero again. He was in prison. He couldn't access his accounts. He couldn't get his, his, his wealth. He was in prison. He was back to zero. No, he wasn't. He had someone who was with him. God was with him. You're never at zero when God's with you. Why? God is a multiplier. 5,000 men show up for dinner, no problem. I got a multiplier with me. Give me what you got and he'll multiply it. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Okay? (sighs) So, he was in prison. Verse 2, I mean verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended loving kindness to him. Why? He was innocent. Joseph didn't participate with evil. That's why God was able to be with them. If you're participating with evil, God's not with you. You can't live like the devil and expect the blessing of God to operate. It doesn't work that way. So, verse 22, the warden committed to Joseph's care all the prisoners who were in prison so that whatever was done there was in his charge. The warden paid no attention to anything that was Joseph's care because the Lord was with him. Whatever Joseph did, what happened? He was he was a prosperous slave. Now he's a prosperous prisoner. Why? The blessing is on him. The thing that's different about Joseph, he has God with him. God's talking to him. He's honoring God by the way he lives. His lifestyle is holy. It's pure. He he's resisting sin. Amen. And God is just blessing him wherever he puts him. Bloop. The devil thought he had him down. Pops back up again. Then the devil puts him down again. He pops back up again. 
All right? Now, I'm avoiding the dreams that he had, that he interpreted in the prison. Okay? Now, for the big one. Pharaoh has a dream. And the dreams that Joseph interpreted for the other two prisoners, two years later, everybody say two years. How many know that with faith and patience you inherit the promises? Everybody say patience and faith. You need them both. Listen, when things aren't working out like you think they should, be patient. Don't get your eyes off the circumstance. Look to God. God is with me. I am blessed. Hallelujah. The more you look to God, the quicker you get out. Okay? So, now, the slave who went to Egypt with nothing, who prospered in Potiphar's house, then went back to nothing in the prison, but then prospered in the prison. Okay? Are you getting the picture? Everywhere he was put, he prospered. And guess what? That's part of our line. That's our heritage. That's our family line. If I was, if I was opening up a photo book, I'd be showing you pictures. This is what God wants of us. He wants us to prosper like Joseph prospered. Come on, we gotta believe it. Say, God wants me to prosper just like Joseph prospered. Cause God was with him. And God is with me. Can you see yourself prospering like Joseph? Are you seeing the possibility? Okay. So, Joseph comes, you know, he gets out of the prison where he had nothing. Right? They didn't give him his wages when he got out of the prison. When you get out of prison, you get with what you came in. Right? What you brought into prison, you get to take with you. So, what did Joseph bring to prison? Nothing. What did he leave with? Nothing. Okay? Now, Pharaoh calls for him. So, he shaved. They They gave him some clothes. Right? Changed his clothes. He comes before Pharaoh. He interprets the dream. Okay? And uh, look at Genesis 41, verse 40. 41, verse 40. You shall, this is Pharaoh. You shall have charge over my house. Now, Pharaoh's house was the nation. It wasn't just a house. It was the nation of Egypt. Say, so you're going to be in charge of my house. Hallelujah. Joseph was in charge of Egypt. He started with nothing. He prospered. Then he lost everything and he prospered. Now he gains everything again. Okay? Why? Because of the blessing. All right? He said, all my people shall be governed according to your word. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. What if Joseph had to fill out a resume? Oh, yeah, I was in prison for the last several years. Uh, I lost everything because I was falsely accused. Uh, how's that going to look if someone's going to... But now, he's becoming head of a nation. Yeah. Second only to Pharaoh. Yeah. He goes from the prison to the palace in one day. How many know God knows how to make up your suffering? God knows how to make up your back pay. God knows how to take care of you. When Israel left Egypt, they didn't leave broke. They left, they plundered Egypt. They left with gold, silver, garments, and jewels. Why? 400 years of back wages. God said, go ask your neighbors for their stuff. And the neighbors were willing to give them the stuff. All they had to do was their seed was go ask for stuff. You have not because you ask not. Just ask for it. 
Why? God wants you to prosper. All right? So, uh, Pharaoh said, uh, only in the throne will I be greater than you. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his hand. That's where they made uh, transactions, right? That was the receipt. Now he had the authority. He had the position. Now he had the authority. Put it on Joseph's hand and dressed him in vestments of fine linen. Woo! He was the best looking prisoner ever, man. I'm telling you, he got an upgrade in his wardrobe. He got an upgrade in his position. He got an upgrade in his authority. And he got an upgrade in his pocketbook. Why? Who was with him? Who's with you? If God's with you, then God is the only factor that you need. You can have the same results. God produces the same results. I am the Lord God. I change not. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just like I was with Joseph, I'll be with you. Just like I was with Abraham, I'll be with you. Just like I was with Isaac, I'll be with you. Just like I was Jehoshaphat, I'll be with you. Just like I was with Esther, I'll be with you. Same God. Same results. Everybody say, same God. Same results. Same God. Same results. Same God, same results. Hallelujah. I want you to see yourself. Wear an upgrade in your wardrobe, an upgrade in your authority, an upgrade in your position, and an upgrade in your pocketbook. Do you realize after this moment, Joseph never had a broke day? He never went down after this. He was 33 when he interpreted the dream. So for uh, 75, seven, or no, 77 plus years, from this moment on, seven, for 77 years, Joseph lived in wealth, abundance, prosperity. He never went down after this. Amen? He, he never went broke after this. Why? Because he was receiving the fulfillment of the blessing. Amen? I'm not done yet. Almost. All right? <laughs> okay? So, uh, so now, um, go to, go to, uh, Genesis 41 verse 49. But I want to read to you Joshua 22 verse 7 before we go to Genesis, uh, 41, You go to Genesis 41 49. I'm going to read Joshua 22, verse 7. It talks about Manasseh, which was uh, Joseph's son or descendants. Joshua 22, verse 7 says, Now to the one half of the tribe of Manasseh, that was Joseph's firstborn, Moses had given a possession in Bashan, but to the other half Joshua gave a possession on the west side of the Jordan among their brothers. So when Joshua sent them away to their tents, he blessed them and said to them, Return to your tents with great riches and very much livestock, with silver, gold, and bronze, and uh, with every, every, with very many clothes. Divide the spoil of your enemies with your brothers. So that was Joseph's descendants, alright? Genesis 41 verse 49. Joseph stored up the grain. How? How did he do it? How did he store up the grain? 
as the sand of the sea. How many could take an account of the sand? How many have ever been to the beach? Can you take an account of how much sand is there? That's how much grain he was bringing in until he stopped counting. Why? Why did he stop counting? It was immeasurable. Why? He had a God. He had an El Shaddai. He had an Almighty One who was more than enough. He was exercising God's plan. He was fulfilling his assignment. And God was blessing his work so much so that he brought it. They quit counting. It's too much. It's more than enough. That's the only way that God answers. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Say, I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing. What are we doing today? We're breaking poverty. How are we breaking poverty? Through the word, giving you a picture. Amen? Okay? So we stop counting. Why? Too much. How many want to just stop counting? I got too much. That's what happened when Moses took up an offering for the tabernacle. Tell the people to give. Who's ever willing of a heart, let them give, right? And they started bringing stuff. The, the, the craftsman said, we, tell them to stop, Moses. We got too much. So this is twice in the Bible. Too much offering. Okay? All right? Go to Genesis 47, verse 11. Genesis 47, verse 11. Joseph's in charge, right? He had the insight from God that there was going to be seven years of plenty. Seven years of famine, he had the wisdom of God to put aside in the plenty. How many know you got to put aside in the plenty? Okay? So, now, Jacob, he, you know, he sent his sons to Egypt to get grain. Now he's moving to Egypt. Everybody say 70 people. Look at this verse. 4711. Joseph settled his father and brothers in the land and gave them what? The be- gave them the what? Everybody say the best. He gave the best of the land. The districts of Ramses that Pharaoh had commanded. Joseph was able to give the best to his family. That's what God wants of us. A good man lays up an inheritance for his children's children. Okay? Go to Genesis 45, verse 8. Notice who, who he gives the credit to. Genesis 45, verse 8. This is when he revealed himself to his brothers. He said, so now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh, lord of all his household, ruler of all the land of Egypt. Does that sound like it's prosperous? Does that sound like it's increased? Sound like he multiplied? Amen. Why? Who was with him? God was with him. Who's with you? God was with you. Same thing. Same result. Same God. Amen. So uh, Joseph gave Jacob and 69 other people the best of the land. He said, I will take care of you. How many are capable of taking care of 70 people if they moved into your house today? Joseph promised, he said, I will take care of you. I will provide for you. Seventy people. It wasn't even, uh, it wasn't even, a, a, Joseph didn't say, I'll try to provide for you. No, Joseph was more than able to take care of him and 69 other people. 
plus his wife and his two kids. Come on. Amen. We got to go up higher. We got to go up to another level. Come on. Who wants to come up with me today? Who wants to break poverty in your life forever? Hallelujah. Never have a down day. I'm not going back to poverty. I don't care. I'm not going back. I'm going up. Poverty is done in my life. It's done in my mind. It's done in my body. Let's walk in divine health. Amen. Let's walk in divine health and wealth. God wants you healthy, wealthy, and wise, and you can have it all. You don't have to pick. I'll take wealth. No, you don't have to pick. You can have it all. All right. Uh, Go to Genesis 45, verse 13. 45, verse 13. (laughs) Now you must tell my father of all my splendor and power in Egypt and of everything that you've seen. You must hurry and bring my father down here. And you know, Jacob lived 17 years in Egypt before he died. Made up for the 17 years that Joseph was gone. Jacob got to live 17 more years enjoying time with his son that he thought was dead. How many know? God knows. Look at verse 18. Genesis 45, verse 18. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you will eat the fat. Everybody say, eat the fat. Man, when you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Joseph made sure that his family ate good. Going to eat the fat, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the, the whole land of Egypt was before them. Look at Genesis 47, verse 12. Genesis 47, verse 12. Joseph provided and supplied his father and his brothers with all the father's house with food according to the needs of their children. Hallelujah. He clothed them, he fed them, and he didn't even sweat it. Say he didn't sweat it. I may be sweating giving you this message, but Joseph didn't sweat it. Why? We're breaking poverty today. It's broken. Poverty is broken forevermore. It's defeated. It's done. It's overthrown. It's dismantled. It's disintegrated. Today is the day. Hallelujah. We are be, we'll be poor no more. That, Jesus came. He said, I'm anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. What is the good news to the poor? You don't have to be poor no more. Hallelujah. Jesus became poor. Why? So that we can become rich. Read 2 Corinthians 8. I'm preaching today. Finally, last scripture. Well, two more. All right. Genesis 47, 27. 47, 27. Now Israel lived in the country of Egypt in Goshen, which was the best of the land. And actually, Pharaoh gave Joseph's brothers jobs in charge of his flocks. Okay? They gained possessions. God wants you to gain possessions. They acquired property. God wants you to acquire property. And they were fruitful and multiplied. How? Everybody say greatly or exceedingly. Same thing. God wants you to multiply exceedingly. He wants you to be fruitful. That is the blessing. 
All right, then Genesis 48, 3, and I'm done. Genesis 48, 3. Hallelujah. Then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty, that is El Shaddai, more than enough, all sufficient. Hallelujah. That's what God Almighty means. Appeared to me at Bethel in the land of Canaan. And and what? What did he do? He blessed me. Say, God bless me. Say, God wants to bless me. God has blessed me. I am blessed. Verse 4, and he said to me, behold, I will make you. Who's going to make him? God. Who's going to make you? God. I will make you fruitful and numerous. And I will make you a great company of people. They were greater than Egypt. Egypt was a nation long time before Israel was. And Israel was greater than the nation of Egypt in 80 years. That's a century. Less than a century. 80 years. And we'll give you this land to your descendants after you as a, as a what kind of a possession? Everlasting. Everybody say everlasting. There is no end to the blessing. There is no shortage in the blessing. There is no lack in the blessing. Because the blessing pushes lack back. Hallelujah. The devil may attack you and try to stop you from multiplying. Try to stop you from increasing. He will attack. But you've got the resistance. You've got God with you. He is a shield and a buckler to you. He can withstand and overcome any attack from the enemy. Glory to God. But these are our family line. Every person that I talked about, that they're in our family. They are in the line of faith. It's the line that we're in. God, and they didn't have what you have. They didn't have the spirit on the inside. We've got the spirit on the inside. We've got to come up. If you want to come out of poverty today, I want you to stand to your feet. I don't know if you have a coming out song. Yeah.